Hey guys, today I am joined again with my friend Tori Hine, who is a authority in so many ways, in so many areas, especially in my life. But today we're going to talk about a training or a concept or a theory that she has kind of put into practice in some real ways. And we're going to look at what is happening in the world right now, the divisiveness through this lens. So let's check it out. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast, and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around because we're going to laugh and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. guys. What's up, people? I am so excited, as always, to be sitting here with my friend Dory. You have heard from her before. Yes. Like a year ago. Wow. We had you on to talk about... Been that long. Sex and Christianity. Yeah, we did. We're bringing sexy back. (laughs) (laughs) I'll link that podcast because you're for sure going to want to listen to it now. Yes. But I brought my friend Tori on because I've been stewing on some things and she has this really excellent, well, it's a training. It's like a yeah, coaching training that you do. Belief teaching. model. Yeah. And I, I'm going to let her explain it and flesh it out a little bit. And then I'm going to talk about why I invited her to talk about that in the context of what's happening in our world primarily our country, but not just our country. It's like world at large. Yeah. This division and this polarization that's happening. And why is that happening? Why is it that before 2020, we could, I would say easily be friends with people who thought differently than us. More easily, maybe. Sure. But not to the point where I am unfriending you and like, we're done here. And we're talking about people that you did have a relationship with. Yeah, for sure. It's easy to do that online with someone that you don't know, just unfriend or whatever. But when you have a relationship and I mean, we have seen those break off all over the place, you know, like my mom was just here. She was talking about someone that she's known her whole life, went so far as to like send her a text to inform her of the no longerness of their relationship. How devastating. I'm like, oh man, that's so drama. It's almost like offering your divorce papers to your friends. Right. And this is, she's 70. So it's not like this is a she's known this person since high school and they have weathered many elections. They've sat on the opposite side of the political spectrum. So why now, why is it so polarized now? And I, I suspect Mm -hmm. it has to do with what you have brought so eloquently to Mm -hmm. this training without further ado, tell (laughs) us about the four B's Tori. Well, I mean, for me, who I primarily work with is ambitious women of faith and um, helping them clarify and activate their God-given calling. And for the women that are trapped in this position of confusion or trapped in cycles of striving and insecurity, comparison, comparison, they typically begin with a question that is mulling around in their mind. And it's, am I doing enough? And what could I do better? What am I doing wrong? And it starts with their behavior. And this is really tough because particularly for Americans, 
we live in a culture of behavior modification mm. from the moment that we are born into this world mm. we we're put up against we're compared to standards of other infants like so that true. matters for one baby check <laughs> Oh, well, Here's you're in the ninety-five percentile or the and the moms walk away feeling like my my kid's so special in the ninety-five percentile for his head or whatever. He'd be so so brilliant. Um and then this child is measured to com- it's compared against the standard of our society up until becomes a school child in kindergarten and then they're measured up to the standards educationally of mm-hmm. each of their peers and then they're measured um, their performance is measured by school grades and then they graduate standardized and testing standardized testing and there's no room for learning styles or personality or strengths in other ways mm-hmm. or you know that's a whole other conversation about homeschooling and the our emotional and educational and theological breakdown of this country and what we're teaching children. And the monster that we're creating is that we're creating extremely um, insecure people yeah. who always have to be measured and compared to, up to a standard that they're living up to. That's external. Always, that is yeah. always external, always circumstantial, and their worth is a, is attached to a couple key things. It's, um, I am what I do. I am what I have. I am what other people say or think about me. Um, and I am what I experience or I am the legacy that is left behind me. I am an idea and all these things are still measured up to something that they could wrap language or their hands around to be able to define their worthiness. And so for me, this surfaced in my story in a lot of different ways, but in my desire to help women heal, it's helping them identify not what needs to be fixed in their behavior first and foremost, but to backtrack to the motivations of what is fueling their behavior. And this led to this model that I, I believe is definitely backed up in scripture and what uh, God teaches us as far as our mindset and mm-hmm. what, how belief affects um, our behavior. And so it's four B's um, and this is the intentional model of a renewed mind would begin with the first B, which is behold. And beholding something is so much more than just glancing at it or, you know, noticing something or looking at something, but beholding something requires an enrapture of our attention. Mm -hmm. And we're taking COVID as an example for this. What we beheld in COVID period of time, depending on our perspective, we all experienced the same circumstances from different perspectives that um, initiated this trauma response in our story. Mm -hmm. If we were prone already to ask really hard questions, we're a question asker, all of a sudden our questions increased. 
if we were prone to overworking and serving out of a compulsion to try to earn your worth that way, people served more, you know, or got busy and meticulous. Mm -hmm. If people were prone toward worry and overthinking or perfectionism or people pleasing or all of the different facets in which we run for false security, everyone attached themselves in deeper ways to this trauma response and it revealed this deep rooted like root system of um our need for false security Mm -hmm. and we have to attach it to something else so it would be like my ability to know something or the thoughts and the emotions of other people or um you know the money that i have or the influence that i have or whatever we were like grasping for safety which so when you're beholding what we saw in COVID, we're witnessing on camera police officers suffocating, suffocating a human being. Mm-hmm. We're witnessing on camera um, riots and protests. We're witnessing through media, which is so manipulated and, you know, in, on every single angle of, mm-hmm. of the lens Not manipulated. True. Not true. To increase fear. And as we behold these things through our phone, we're beholding the effects of it in our community. We're beholding the emotions of others. We're beholding death magnified. Mm-hmm. Um, what we behold, we begin creating frameworks of belief about. Yeah. And we may be believing something that is untrue about what we're beholding, depending on, you know, our framework of reference or our perspective. But nonetheless, what we beheld was very much a real experience for Mm -hmm. every single Mm -hmm. person, right? But when you're experiencing trauma, (laughs) and then you've got a whole system that is set up to compare and contrast this person against this person, party against party, this ideal against this ideal, this problem against this solution, Mm -hmm. this standard, this expectation, then we're all beholding different standards and trying to like, you know, convert the other side of the, of the courtroom to believe that your story is yeah. true. You, what your perspective of the same circumstance circumstances was the most true perspective and whatever. So whatever you behold, you will believe. And then whatever you believe will dictate your behavior, your emotional, response, your thought response, and your actions, your physical actions and words. And then how your your behavior affects who you are becoming. And uh, so there's so many angles that we could go yeah. with for this, but that this is this is true for an uninformed, you know, unintentional um, pursuit of of mindset. Like I'm I could behold, believe, behave, and become in a, in a false sense, like believe something that is untrue and then allow that to dictate my behavior and change who I become. Mm -hmm. Or I could behold the exact same thing and invite God into it to offer me his perspective of what his will is and his love does in shifting us from just our own perspective. And it's what this whole podcast is about. It's what your you know, blog is about is yes, gaining my perspective, but in light of the greater perspective that's given to us in light of eternity right. through um, through our gracious God who offers us his perspective <laughs> to begin with. The fact that he even was willing to be 
you know, with us and to come and be us and to take on flesh and to perceive things, not just from an eternal perspective or a high heavenly one, but one that got into the womb of his mother and lived in a human life is so gracious of him. And he's inviting us into a new way of beholding the world, a new way of believing, a new way of behaving, and a new way of becoming that is wrapped up in this gospel message that we've see through all of scripture. So why I thought this was so relevant and why is an offered me such perspective on what I'm seeing and experiencing yeah. in the world is there's so much, um, you know, the, the final thing is who are you becoming? Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if this, this man that sent this text to my mom, like, if that was the person he, he intended to become. Yeah. <laughs> I would say probably not, given the fact that you'd been in a relationship for 50 years as right. friends. Yeah. He probably didn't intend to become that person that would send this just nasty message to mm-hmm. someone that you otherwise loved. But we're looking at it as as the behavior. Like, I'm looking around at behavior, but there's those levels deeper, mm-hmm. right? And you have to go back. And I, I believe that when we look at it through this lens, it offers more opportunity for compassion yeah. with people that you're seeing a behavior that is not what you would expect Absolutely. or a behavior that you're like, that is ugly. offensive and harmful. <laughs> right. Yes. Then go one step. You are believing something based on what you're beholding. And I can't even blame you because what have we been beholding? Yeah. If you're not intentionally beholding God, which <laughs> needs to be minute to minute, <laughs> yes. it's not a default setting. Yes. There's plenty to behold that isn't the Lord. Then, of course, you're going to be building Mm -hmm. these beliefs that are going to inform behavior that isn't necessarily what you intended to become. Right. This is true in my own reflection of like, what am I beholding? What behaviors do I not want that I or recognize that I now have and don't want or whatever? It's not like you said, it's not just about, oh, don't act like that. No, go back to why am I acting like that? Because I'm believing this thing. I'm feeling emotions based on beliefs that's causing my behavior. Well, that's because I've beheld this. Where am I being deceived? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the truth is it's deception Mm -hmm. somewhere along the line. And like you said, it could be a false belief based on a a true purpose of, you know, there's a lot of people who are beholding God, Mm -hmm. but they're walking away with a belief that might not be scriptural. Yeah. And then that's going to inform behavior. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then here we go. And this is where it's been so baffling because it's not surprising to me that someone who does not know the Lord would think very differently than I do. Right. Would just view the world very differently than I would. That doesn't surprise me. And, And when those relationships struggle or whatever, I'm like, yeah, that's. Of course, because we just have different Mm -hmm. foundations. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're never going to arrive at the same conclusions. Mm -hmm. What has been really hard to navigate is those who I do know, know the Lord. Right. How did we get so far apart on on the end? How did, Mm -hmm. how did our beliefs split so far if we're both beholding the same thing or are we? Right. Is the question. (laughs) That's true. And how did we start believing these two very separate things? And I'm just thinking, I'm sure y'all have examples, but I'm thinking of like specific conversations I had with specific people that I was able to go that, go deeper with and ask these kinds of questions like, Hey, you know, Jesus, I know Jesus, you know, scripture, I know scripture. Tell me where you're coming from, you know, Mm -hmm. 
let me see it through your eyes. And Mm -hmm. that was harder when you go back Mm -hmm. to the source of what are we beholding? It's you find that there's less division, there's less fracturing, there's more compassion, more willing to come, but that's hard. Yeah, it is. And not everybody has, you don't have that relationship with everybody where you can say, I want to challenge you, but like, let's be willing to wrestle this out. Yeah. In a real way, it can't yeah. happen on social media. Mm. Just absolutely cannot. It has to happen, yeah. preferably face to face, but voice to voice, if not face to face, you know. But even still, some of those relationships, many, sadly, well, two in particular in my brain right now, that they're fractured in a way that I'm like, I don't know if we'll ever see that. Yeah, come back, you know, who knows? Yeah, but um, it did give me just, like I said, just such insight to think about it through a different lens. And and as we're moving forward away from 2020, and we're still carrying so much mm-hmm. from that, so much trauma still, mm-hmm. we're still potentially beholding. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, we were talking before we started recording just about like, when I'm looking at behavior, I'm like, gosh, we, we know so much different information now about COVID about mm-hmm. treatments, about, you know, that's just <laughs> Now we're example. beholding a whole different set of <laughs> guidelines right. on things that, yeah. There's just so much more information now to behold. And yet, yet nobody aren't, e- they aren't even shifting their gaze. We're not seeing pivot. I mean, imagine if you just surrounded yourself with only people who agreed with you, right? right? And, Man. and if the belief Algorithms is, do that. and that's, that's exactly world. what, exactly what has happened to where you create this belief um, like perfectionism, for example, believes that if I can do everything right, and then I will be safe. Mm-hmm. People pleasing is is a be is a behavior that reflects the belief that I'm safest if everyone else around me is cared for. Um, you know, let's say let's take shame for an example. I'm safest when I'm small. I'm safest when. Mm-hmm things are bad for me. Um, I'm safest when I'm busy and overworking. That's another form of, of these behaviors, overworking, perfectionism, shame, people pleasing, assuming the worst, you know, gosh, there's so many ways that we could take this. But when the result for us is that we can no longer be in the same space with people who disagree. It means that we have a specific belief about where we're safe. Mm. Um, and we're beholding something that was very unsafe that other, that everyone has a different opinion about how we resolve mm. this. And so when someone is beholding something traumatic, traumatic and holding the emotions of all the things that are being experienced collectively, and someone has a solution that makes you personally feel mm. unsafe because of how it affects who you're beholding and what you care about. Like we have to, we have to put on the merciful shoes of Jesus, you know, who who stepped into spaces and was able to see the perspective of every person in the room and had grace and love for all of their perspectives and every single one of them were was wrong and limited mm-hmm. except for his <laughs> but yet Jesus never surrounded himself with people who just agreed with him right. or people that were just like him we have to have 
You know, even, I mean, there's certain people on social media that I just deeply disagree with and they rub me so the wrong way. And it's like, I can barely listen to it. And I keep following them just because they create that response for me. Um, when we're thinking about the unity in the body of Christ, which should be the whole end to the, I mean, you have Jesus who's literally surrounded himself with a team of, he has Simon the Zealot who has very intense political views around how to solve mm-hmm. the Roman Empire problem. And then you have Matthew who is a tax collector who works for the Roman yeah. government, like evil, you know, enemies to one another. And he goes, you have an invitation to be friends. You have an invitation to be friends with me and your friendship with me is what connects you two together. So they're beholding him Him first. Right. And that's what Jesus says is he goes, get your eyes off of the circumstances of what you're beholding. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning shame. Think of Mm -hmm. if Jesus had only had his perspective on what needed to be fixed, the sin of the world, and and over (laughs) over the the attention that he gave to his father and the submission that he had before his father. Mm. What a beautiful example. If the problem was just the problem, which is exactly what the enemy tried to do when he went into the wilderness for 40 days to fast and pray is he, he was trying to coerce him and tempt him to take his eyes off mm-hmm. of, of the will of his father and onto look at this world that you want to save. You could save it right now with this easy shortcut. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you like to do that? Do it, take your eyes off of the glory of God and what he's put in front of you to do and instead bow down to me and I'll give you all the authority of heaven and prove that you're God by jumping off this cliff and allowing the angels to catch you. Solve and your problem of hunger. Make this in the bed. So he's beholding the same thing. Like Jesus is looking at, yes, the will of of God first and foremost, but he also came because there is a problem that needed fixing. But the belief that was established for Jesus in that moment was anchored in what? The word of God. Every single time that he was tempted to shift his gaze and create a different framework of belief that would change his response of obedience, he defaulted back to the word of God every time. And when we read in 1 Corinthians 13 about the love of God that binds us together in perfect unity, and he's saying in context about how the church should be functioning with all the diversity of their spiritual gifts and the different perspectives that they come to perceive the problem. Like you read through all of scripture, all of Acts is about conflict and obstacles and this person disagreed and that person disagreed and Barnabas had to trail behind Paul and make sure that oh sorry guys like I know Paul's super intense like it's okay he's with me and like (laughs) so okay I could take Paul's advice you know like they needed all of these different personalities and beliefs and perspectives in order for the thing to work together as a whole and Paul says don't think of yourself more important than you should think of yourself. Remember, you are one member of a greater body and you're all diverse and there's no one that's better than the other. And if you live outside of a motivation of loving me, then you will do 
beautiful, noble things, and it will be for no reason. Mm -hmm. This is like, this is what it comes down to is the, I'm cutting my friend off because it's the noble thing that I think I should do because I disagree with them and because I'm wrong. And so I feel more right by cutting them out. Is that motivation love or fear? Right. Always it's, it's going to be fear when it brings division. Which is so interesting that you're, you keep highlighting this like security. Yeah. This motivation of security that makes a lot of sense and actually is very revealing of when you engage in a conversation with someone who thinks differently. And this has been just like another thing that I'm like, this is new in 2020 almost yeah. where I go to engage and there's like an, um, a erratic emotional response. Mm -hmm. uh, I know other people are mm -hmm. experiencing this where it's yeah. like, whoa, whoa, whoa why are you reacting that way? Like very mm -hmm. high emotion, very angry. Mm -hmm. This is where you see the lashing out on social media, just these extreme responses. You're threatening their safety, their security, their safety. Yeah. In that I have decided I am safe with these thoughts. And I've been told that your ideals is what's causing this, this problem. Yeah. And I believe them. Yeah. And so you are now the problem. It's not an ideal or it's not a, it's not a, um, even a political party. Now you're attributing this big picture problem to an individual and yeah. your trauma response is going to be one of three things. You're going to either fight, you're going to fly away, or you're going to freeze up and you don't know what to do about it. The beautiful healing of the love of God is it goes, love is patient and kind. It's not envious. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not self-seeking. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Mm -hmm. Love endures all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love never fails. So when it's when our actions are put through the, the lens of love rather than fear, gosh, that changes everything about how we're meant to interact with the people that we disagree with who, yes, threaten us. Like mm. I, I can think of the people in my life who their presence in a room makes me feel threatened. Sure. I am not going to that person because I know the Lord and there's there's a different place to go to, to place the blame there. It's a problem with them. Mm. They're the problem, which is the human condition. Garden of Eden. It's... <laughs> She made me do it. And he made me do it. And me. then you sent, and then it was the snake. And then it was this. It's like, no, the invitation for us mm. on the other side of the cross is Christ has redeemed all things and set us free from the bond of sin. So it's no longer the blame game anymore. Now we actually have the freedom because we are not going to be, we are not under what we deserve, which is punishment because of the mercy of God. Yeah. And I think also there's a fear of punishment and there's a fear of death, obviously, especially when it oh comes to these political things. Wild fear of death. Wild COVID. fear of COVID. death. That I mean, that's it. the that's the worst case scenario. Right. The worst case scenario is that you die. And guess what? We're all going to do it someday, exactly. which just is and crazy. This is, this is like <laughs> something I would position from the get go of COVID is. God has you dying and you can't get out of it. So like mm -hmm. if he has you dying of COVID, no vaccine, no ivermectin, no mask, ain't nothing going to save you if he has you predestined to die of COVID and vice versa. If he doesn't have you dying of COVID, mm -hmm. you're not going to COVID. You know, there's mm -hmm. like, and, and there's freedom in that truth. Mm -hmm. There's freedom in that truth because again, it, it doesn't, 
it's not meant to release you from action because <laughs> yeah. that's the other that's the flip side but of this it is, releases oh, you of responsibility it releases you of fear and fear is, yeah because the fear is i'm in control and i'm responsible for what happens to my neighbor right. which in some sense and scripturally that is true as much as it is up to you and your relationship to them but all of the circumstances and all the things that are outside of your control, can we take ownership for? No, you know? And so when you're motivated by a motive of love that keeps no record of wrongs and a love that ha- that hung on the cross and paid the price so that we could be unpunishable, when I get it wrong, when I fail as a mom, when I when I say something that is hurtful and harmful, when I make someone feel unsafe, when I make the wrong decision, when I vote, vote in a way that is coerced by manipulation or lies, or when I'm believing something that's untrue and it's affected my behavior. The the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that though I fail, he took the blame for it. He's the one who covered it. I'm responsible for it. And the responsibility of that makes me deserve death. And I didn't get it because of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So that sort of freedom and the way that we live from that place of the gospel at the center allows us to do what Jesus said, which was, does your friend punch you on one cheek? Offer him the other. Because you're not you're not living under the fear of punishment anymore. You're not living under the fear of doing it wrong, believing the wrong thing, harming your friend. Working your way out of your sins, doing it in your own strength. It's not an earning thing anymore. Now you actually get to just live and work and exist from a worth and a purpose that's impossible to lose no matter what other people say or think about you. No matter what happens, circumstantial death or life, Paul says, nor death or life, nor chains, mm-hmm. can nothing can separate me from the love of God. And he says to live is Christ and then to die is gain. Like I'd actually rather die because you guys are really hard to deal with is what he was saying in the context mm-hmm. for that. But instead, now he's he's saying this is a full surrendered. I've you can't even offend me because what, and I behold God and my belief about what this gospel means to set me free in my life dictates my behavioral response to your fear. And your fear doesn't control me anymore because I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. Now, I mean, like saying this on a podcast is really a whole lot easier to do than live it out than living it because we are human beings that are fractured and broken i get in these conversations and my my um nervous system is triggered and my heart races and my my hands sweat and my fight fight or response or fly away response is always fighting like i want to engage in um you know proving myself right Mm -hmm. and making sure that i'm it's really, that's what it comes down to. It's like, I just want to be right because if I'm right, then I'm good. If I'm then good, I, feel secure in the I won't be punished. And if I'm not punished, I feel safe. And if I feel safe, I'll be okay. I'll be able to engage in joy and um, see how that breaks everything down though, because then it's me needing to prove myself right over and over and over again, which fractures relationships. It comes down to identity, misplaced identity, like you're saying in, in, the information you have and the affiliation politically that you have yeah. and 
your family unit and your race, like whatever I am this, well, you are who Jesus says, right? And we put on all these labels Mm -hmm. and this is, you know, like with identity politics, I've really seen how devastating that is. Yeah. People, you know, like with the election and stuff, when I would have a conversation about potential irregularities or, you know, possible cheating in the election, people would be like, I'm accusing them of cheating, right? It would be this response of, oh, I'm just like, these are people we don't know. We don't know Trump. We don't know Biden personally, most of us. Totally. (laughs) And yet it's as if I'm accusing you of something evil or mean or whatever, it's this identity that we're taking on identity in places where we needn't and it's allowing us to believe the wrong things and behave the wrong ways. So what is the solution? How do we each revisit this in a way that can be, or not revisit this, but reflect on this in a way that will improve just our own, you know, way that we are navigating all of this life that's coming so hard and fast yeah. And how can we use this to be compassionate with others? Because I will say that with all the things that I feel like I'm always reading and know, it mm-hmm. can, it inspires a lot of fear. There's yeah, it does. a combat yeah. of fear constantly. And I have gotten to this place, again, the beholding of I can behold the fear. I can behold all the circumstances, which informs so much that I could believe, which informs all the behaviors. And there's always an element of that. Yeah. We're never right. We're never free of that. Yeah. However, it's this returning to God is on the throne and God is good. Right. Therefore, I can believe and not I can believe in that and mm-hmm. not be afraid. Yeah. That immediately breaks the fear response, which changes all the behavior. Yeah. Is I'm I can know the things because I don't think we need to just look the other way and try to behold something different with and and forsake the things mm-hmm. that we need to also be paying attention to sure but like you said the nuance of beholding is different than Mm -hmm. looking at right and all of these facets of who we are you know your race is god-given right your gender is god-given um he placed you in your neighborhood in your group of friends with your perspective of the circumstances that you're you're looking at like he's uniquely positioned Totally. All of you who are listening to this podcast, he's uniquely positioned me and Wendy as well. It's just a matter of are all is every perspective and every element to who we are in our identity under the submission mm-hmm. to Jesus Christ and his call to love is not a, oh, yeah, just love people, love God, love other people. <laughs> But he's saying something very <laughs> profound by this love. This is a love that that led him to the cross. It's a love that he beckons us, come and die, come pick up your cross and follow me. So come die so that you could live. Um, and so this love that he summarized all of the laws of the Old Testament, this, this idea of I'm right and you're wrong is deeply ingrained in all of the Old Testament theology, right? Because God was protecting and keeping a remnant. And so in in gospel and on the other side of Jesus, who fulfilled the law um, in himself, 
he summarized for us a very simple framework of what our calling is in each of these things. Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the problem is, is we're talking about these forms of safety and, and where we run to for false forms of safety and our physiological response to fear <laughs> and trauma and our mindset and what we're believing and our will, how we choose to behave. Mm-hmm. He's saying, love me. When you behold, love me. When you're believing, love me. When you're behaving, love me. Who you're becoming, love me. And then it's the same thing with our friends as an overflow. When we have a fractured heart, mind, soul, Mm. body, will, we're fractured, we're broken, we need healing and wholeness. That wholeness allows us to be able to love people from a place of wholeness that is no no longer contingent on, do you agree with me? Are you safe because you agree with me? But it's, do you love me? Mm. And love goes so far beyond agreement mm. so far beyond that agreement truth, married folks yeah right i mean we know that in our most our, our most intimate relationships with one another and so that's our mandate as believers over anything else is it says in first corinthians it doesn't matter if you speak tongues of angels it doesn't matter if you go to the stake and burn your body as a martyr for the name of jesus If you have not love, it means nothing. So it means you could be standing for all of the noble things. You could definitely be right. But if you have not love, then it's worthless. So Mm -hmm. for for us, that's the call is what am I being motivated by love or am I being being motivated by something else when I from what I'm beholding is what I'm beholding causing a love response Or is what I'm beholding causing a fear response? No matter what we behold, we are given both of those pathways. Hmm. God invites us to see us, see our circumstances, no matter how big it is, which the biggest thing that could happen is our death or the death of the world, which we will all die. (laughs) Like, you know, we can't even escape it. It's like the worst case scenario is already our actual reality. It's the only for sure. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father to eternal life except through me. So in every moment of fear or, you know, chaos, we choose and turn back our gaze to see God in his glory shifting our perspective on what we're looking at in the natural because the kingdom of God is not left and it's not right. It's up. Mm -hmm. So as our gaze remains on him, as we're navigating these moments, then we can ask God to give us discernment. What do we do with this information? What am I called to do next? Because obedience is success. Mm. If any time it's a crossroads where we're actually we are as believers, publicly disowning someone or casting them out, there's actually biblical regulations for that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a wrong for a brother, like go to Matthew 18 and look through all of the mm-hmm. facets of you come to him first. If if sin continues and if this wrong continues, bring a couple other people to talk about it, bring it before the church, and then excommunicate them if they're in sin. And the only other time in scripture that they're like, do not facilitate or be in relationship with these people is if there was like active sin 
sexual sin happening in first Corinthians. He's Mm -hmm. like, if someone is engaging in this and calling themselves a believer, then like, don't even eat at their table. Mm -hmm. Like there are some times in scripture where it is justifiable to go. I can't actually engage with you Mm -hmm. until this sin is removed. But a difference of perspective with the common goal of loving God and loving one another, we actually need each other's perspective in order to be the body of Christ. Don't close yourself off with only surrounding yourself with your own perspective because that feels safe. Be like Jesus who surrounded himself with people that probably made him very uncomfortable and annoyed on a daily basis mm-hmm. and and like submit yourself to the love of God and the love of others and ultimately the obedience to the will of God. Uh, that's who we are as ambassadors of Christ. That's what we're literally called to be and do. So the Beatles had it right. All you need is love. All you need is love. That's really all you need. I mean, I really think that there is, um, the enemy doesn't know how to speak in love. He no, he doesn't. He doesn't understand love. It's like Voldemort in Harry Potter just doesn't understand why he can't kill Harry because his mom's sacrifice. And JK thinks she's not a believer. I'm like, sister. Mm, if she's speaking else, some gospel illustrations His mom there. died for him and imparted a love protection mm. that Voldemort can't kill him and mm-hmm. can't understand. And it's a silly example. It's not. It's not. It's he good. Cannot it's beautiful illustration. This, this how do I kill him? Like, I don't, he just can't, he can't even comprehend love. Can't comprehend love. Yeah. The enemy cannot. So if we want to completely thwart his plans, completely circumvent what he's doing, it has to be with a sacrificial love that says, I die to me. I die to being right. Yeah. I'm speaking to myself right now. because I'm like, this is going to be really hard after this conversation (laughs) to do this in real life. It is. It's so hard. But I hear you and I think you're right. So thank you, friend. God is right. You know, it's, we're all and by that clarify, we don't mean God is conservative. God is God. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Ah, shoot. I was going to say something. What was I going to say? Oh, that when it does say also in scripture, like, don't be surprised when your friends leave you know yeah, don't be yeah. surprised when you're persecuted. You're, you're persecuted why would you be surprised by that yeah. i think the key is just making sure you're being persecuted for the the motive of obedience like if it's yeah. obedience before god and it's a message that god's called you to carry well then you won't be the very first prophet that's being rejected by an entire country or world or whatever the prophetic voice is always um, wanting to be you know silenced because it's afraid it's it, the fear response is what silences the voice of the prophet because it means that there is a call to response or more critical thinking and we just have to remove we keep our critical thinking and we remove our critical spirit mm, um like because if we have a critical spirit as we're critically thinking because that your question was like how do i navigate these things that i'm holding and it's the critical thinking is not void of love like mm-hmm. that that requires love but the critical spirit toward others that maybe don't know just think of Jesus and his mercy on the cross in the midst of the greatest form of rejection crying out before his father saying 
forgive them, God. They just don't don't know. know. They just don't know. So it's like, congratulations, you're living a higher road that will always produce persecution and rejection because it's what Jesus had to endure. And he said, you will endure all these things Mm -hmm. because of me. It's not because of you. I will say, talking about love and dying to self and all the things and um, they just don't know. There's two relationships in my life, different ones that I was thinking before, where they cut me out unbeknownst mm-hmm. to me, you know, I'm like the oblivious one that's like on the fifth text. I'm like, they're not responding. Oh, it's because they don't like me anymore. Oh mm-hmm. man, how sad. It's like that person. But I was faithful to continue to text. Like yeah. I wasn't just like, oh, well, I guess screw you then. You know, like I had those moments. I won't yeah. say I didn't, but I, I have been faithful to send another text, Merry Christmas, happy birthday, thinking of you for this or a picture. Mm -hmm. And in both of these cases, they are now responding back. Yeah. And it's never even about, I'm not seeking that you need to now apologize to me before we can move forward. And it's not even like there's anywhere further to go, but like even just yesterday, I text one of these people because I got my awesome, uh, Jack, what is, who is this? Jack Skeleton. I couldn't uh, yeah. his name. My nightmare before Christmas fingernails. And uh, I have a friend. I'm like, that was our, we loved that, you know, in college. And so I text her a picture of my nails thinking of you. And she messaged me right back with just some emojis, you know, but I'm like, that is wild ground covered from where we, all the texts that went unresponded <laughs> to, you know, I'm just like, that is good. That. And it is sacrificial because what is your response when someone is mad at you is fine. I'll be mad back. Or, you know, like there's just this, again, identity and these Mm -hmm. things, these behaviors come from a belief of, you know what? I finally just chose, I, she thinks things about me that are not true. So she is beholding things that are informing beliefs that are wrong. Yeah. And that's just the long and short of it. And I just can't control it. <laughs> I just and can't so I release it. it and I surrender it, which actually is really loving. Yeah. Sometimes it's a lack of response that shows the greatest, the greatest love. Jesus did that too as a lamb silent before yeah, the slaughter. Closer, you know, yeah. He entrusted himself. There's a, where is it? I, I don't remember. Um, but there's a verse that says, he entrusted himself fully to the one who judges righteously. Mm. Like my friend may think this about me, but God knows my heart. I entrust myself. I say that over and over and over again in different circumstances when we've faced, um, you know, various relational issues as a family is God, I entrust myself wholly to the one to you who judges righteously. And those words that David spoke where he's like, Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wayward way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Like it's a prayer I pray all the time because it's like, I know myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if there is any of that in me, it's not about fixing it in someone else. It's about the only mm-hmm. one that I get to, the my only responsibility you know, is, and what I carry from this life into the other is my obedience. And it's who I become. When I take my last breath, it's the perspectives, the things, all the other attachments to our identity and our worth go away. And I stand before the Lord with only the soul that him and I nurtured together on this side of eternity. That is of foremost value for us. And it's what we need to protect above all else. 
I totally think of that moment standing before him going, anything you're going to say in defense of your actions that are not obedience is going to sound so dumb. Yeah. Like, well, you don't, God, I did that because like he was the blah, 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 you know, like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, well, sorry, I won't even talk. Really dumb. <laughs> yeah. Like, never mind, I guess. Yeah. But no one's going to be there. There's not going to be your political party standing behind you. No. Laying out. Well, Lord, this is where we think we were right. And there's not going to be, you know, any group of people, any community around you. It is you're judged by your works, your heart. Yeah. Right. Like what, how did you respond? How were, how was your obedience? And thank God, God you're judged for that alone. <laughs> you're, you're judged for that, but through the covering of Christ. Oh yeah. Cause it's, he sees you. The he only way Christ. that we get to hear well done, good and faithful servant at the end of the story is because we're covered not by the blood of Jesus of and not because we were right. Not because we did things, you know, the best way, not because we stood for the right political party or any of these external forms of worth that we've literally been conditioned, as I said at the beginning, our whole life to measure ourselves up against. We are covered in unmerited grace that was freely given to us by Jesus. That is the gospel. And it's really good news. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Father, thank you for Tori. Thank you for her wisdom. Thank you for her articulate nature and her way of communicating the gospel and the good news of your son and a articulating a lens truly that we can look through to increase our compassion for others, increase our love for others, and move away from the enemy's scheme of division, deception, lies, betrayal, all of that. Lord, we just, we just, want to work against that as the church. So I am grateful for Tori. I'm grateful for her insight. And we just pray that you give us eyes and hands and feet and ways to, to work this out in the natural and the strength to work this out in the natural because it is not easy. And we lay it all at your feet, Lord. In your son's name we pray. Amen.